You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, times are changing. <laughs> pinch me. Lockie Flanagan, pinch me. Uh, Lockie's uh, running the gun here at uh, in the studios at FNR. My name is George Danikian. And State of Our Football Nation, almost ready to get going. Can you, uh, I said to you, pinch me. Can you believe uh, with TEN's uh, Festival of Football um, what we're likely to see over the next few days? Yeah. I, I, I'm still uh, recovering from the uh, first game that um, showcased two of the best teams in the EPL, namely Liverpool, which just missed out on what would have been uh, a quite historic quadruple. They ended up with a couple of cups um, but they missed the big ones, the the EPL Championship and, of course, the Championship of Europe. Um, but they took on Manchester United under Ten Hag, the new Dutch coach from uh, Ajax, and um, mm. we saw something quite exciting in, in Thailand yeah, well, uh, it was, for an it, exhibition match. It was right? a bit of a different look. It was a different we, we look. we sort of got that first glimpse of uh, the, the, the Ten Hag ideals yes. of slowly embedding themselves. Yes, yes. And you know what? Uh, is very interesting. Uh, I saw a lot of players buy in. I know it's early days, and it was, uh, as we touched on earlier, um, an exhibition, but the crowd uh, really got into it. The intent that was shown by both sides was most pleasing. We're talking about professionals uh, entertaining, uh, and there was a global audience. That's the other thing. (laughs) It's a pre-season. And once upon a time, you'd be able to say, and you'd know, Arsene Wenger would take uh, the old Arsenal away. Mm. You wouldn't see them for a month. And then, of course, there'd be op- opening day uh, of the new EPL season. And you h- had to sit there and say to yourself, wow, they look impressive. Well, you get no chance now to decide, um, uh, you know, how they're gathering themselves because you're watching every uh, training session and uh, every exhibition. Yeah, and then they're not. So that's a bit different, isn't United it? United in particular doesn't doesn't sound like from what we heard uh, when Marcus Rashford uh, fronted the media today that he's going to get much of a chance to uh, enjoy the, uh, the the sights, sounds, and well, I, I say warmth, but it's not really apparent at this time of the year uh, of Australia because they're having to spend so much time training under Ten Hag, their uh, physically intensive training sessions, just to Mentally. get that very precise uh, sort of man mark pressing kind of system. Uh, truly ingrained with the, within each and every one. Does, and does, not that just the first explain, does that explain why so many of them are walking around Melbourne with headphones on to help them focus? Well, maybe maybe that explains part of it, but I don't think it explains all of it, George. There are an awful lot of fans who are following them around. Um, almost every hotel, every uh, venue, coffee venue, um, every training ground and uh, trying to get um, some response and uh, we're hearing a lot of complaints, people saying, come on, interact with us. But clearly the, the players have, are on a mission and uh, they're, they're pretty, probably kept pretty tightly wound up uh, and within the confines mm. of uh, the, uh, the travel party. Well, uh, it, it, it's, a, t- it's a tough one, isn't it, George? Because I, I will say as, as a, counter, a counter to that, because there were quite a few people who were, were not pleased with the, uh, with the approach, and I can, un- I can understand that. <laughs> uh, although there, there were some, some images that I saw uh, not, not long before going to air, George, that showed uh, Fred signing uh, autographs for, for dozens of Manchester United fans. But I, I do think that there's an understandable level of 
frustration. I mean, I would say to fans who are expecting these people who are inundated with thousands of people everywhere they go. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for you, obviously, it's the you know the only time that they're going to be here and, and that sort of thing. Sure. But for them, they do this every year. They go overseas all the time. Even when they're at home, even when they're not away, there are thousands of people who've traveled thousands of miles Correct. to get their autographs. This is a very stock standard thing for them. So they learn to... Um, to tune it out. I think it's a, it's a shame that that's the that's the reality. But maybe maybe we should be setting our expectations of Premier League footballers just, just a tiny bit lower. I don't know. Uh, the voice of Lockie Flanagan uh, trying to make sense of uh, some interesting things that are happening in Melbourne. It's State of Our Football Nation with George Danikian uh, on FNR. Uh, does that uh, probably explain why so many football t- sorry sporting teams turned up today for a photo shoot? Yeah, with well, that uh, was, Manchester United. That really did ruffle ruffle some feathers, didn't it, George? Yeah. Uh, a photo with uh, Marcus Rashford and Amy Park with, well, I, I was going to say all the sporting teams of Melbourne, but almost all. There were a few notable omissions, not least uh, any of the uh, the Victorian A-League clubs. Well, I, would, I wouldn't have thought there's too much of a concern there. Uh, Victory are going to spend a whole night with them tomorrow. They'll be uh, at the MCG. There'll be a few photo opportunities, wouldn't you think? Yeah, probably. I mean, look, I can I can on one hand understand the the disappointment because we do we do have a sensitivity to it's called a cultural cringe Lockie. to these codes. Yes, to these other codes taking advantage of our sport when it's convenient. When most yeah, of the time they're yeah. very happy to, to Aren't look they down. desperately, you know, clamouring there just to be in the same spot uh, as one of the biggest brands yeah, in the world. But I, I but I guess there is a counter argument to suggest that that only goes to prove the the strength of of the code globally yeah, yeah and would i have preferred to see someone from would i have preferred to see jake brimmer and josh riston and scott jamison just standing in the background uh maybe you wouldn't want to put jamo at the back but even <laughs> but even so even that's so, very unfair uh, yeah, no, jamo no, will he, call he, us shortly and, and tell <laughs> us that there's a problem uh, by the way if you do want to talk to us uh double nine double four double nine double nine or you can SMS us on zero four two eight nine double three three four five. And as always, any of the uh, any of the live streams, you can leave a comment there as well. That's yes, a, you can. And, and in fact, you're monitoring as we speak. So, should you wish to liaise with us, run something past us that we might throw to our guests or to anyone else that uh, we're talking to, only happy to do it. And speaking of guests, Lockie, who have we locked in this? This afternoon for the next hour. Well, it's quite an ex- an exciting program because uh, first cab off the rank. We're hoping that he uh, is, is joining us shortly. Is none other than I, I say new Western Sydney Wanderers <laughs> midfielder. I'm I'm sort of struggling to know what to to use as his official title. You hey. could go for A League legend. You could go on. for Sydney FC legend. But uh, I'm talking about about Milos Ninkovic. And look, we haven't heard a lot of uh, interviews from Milos uh, in English. And, and there's a reason uh, why. There's been a, a very, very good reason why there hasn't been yeah, an opportunity there, there, look, to hear there, from him. There have been some He's very been interesting, in Serbia for the last month. And there have month. been some very interesting interviews in Serbian, but uh, now we get the chance uh, to, to talk to him uh, for, for really the, the first time since he's, uh, he's touched back down in, in Australia. Correct, and we're looking forward to it. And, and uh, we thank uh, Milos for uh, giving us the opportunity to talk to him. Uh, it's uh, an opportunity that uh, we're looking forward to. Uh, so many questions. You know, Serbia... Um, one of the smallest countries in the world, a bit like the Croatia, there's only 10, 12 million people. Um, and, and yet they managed to be, along with Uruguay and uh, some of the other uh, 
countries in the world like uh, um, uh, Holland and so on, uh, able to export great, talented footballers. It's it's actually incredible. When you think the number of stars or the number of potential professionals that come out of Uruguay, that come out of Serbia, come out of Croatia, it's, it's, it's extraordinary, which tells you they must have either something in the water or, or, or there's a nutrient in their, um, in their vegetables and their food that we're not getting uh, too much of in this country. And we want to talk to him about, you know, where he learned his, his football, what, what, what drove him, who, who were the, the, the people that captured his imagination, uh, and who did he model his game around? Well, I, I having done some uh, some prior li- some prior listening, I think he's I think he's a big fan of uh, of Zinedine Zidane actually. Well, so, uh, Zizou, yeah. yeah so bad, I mean, not not, not a, a bad, bad yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, pretty pretty logical one, I guess. If yeah. you grow up to be an attacking yeah. midfielder, but yeah, yeah, I'm interested to ask him about that. I'm also interested to hear from a uh, letter on George from, from Jason Pine as well. Yes, from uh, Sky Sports New Zealand, he'll be joining us uh, around about the um, uh, the five thirty mark, which is around about seven thirty in New Zealand. Um, some very big sporting uh, news coming out of that part of the world. Uh, of course, they're gathering themselves for a very important World Cup, a Women's World Cup. And, um, you know, the dates, they're closing in fast. And um, Wellington Phoenix are also gathering themselves because we're going to see a, a women's team join the uh, A-League Women's this year from the Phoenix. What do you make of that? Well, I mean that they had a very, I think, quite impressive um, debut season. To to be honest with you, in in the A League Women's, we saw some really really great talent sort of get yep. more of a. Uh, they got a, some new names. That's a platform, a, yeah, yeah, I mean, nice, great, exciting. Yes, uh, great. I mean, Grace Jarley really had a, a breakout season. We're seeing her play uh, pretty well for for Huddleberg United now in the MPLW Victoria, which is a quite nice to have um, yeah. a Wellington Phoenix talent. A, a list giving of them a as chance well. to build their game and and run a. A reasonable um, uh, calendar. You want them to build to, to build uh, games into their legs and and to to get them to mature their game. And and the uh, current A League women's uh, uh, you know uh, practices have only been how many games did they run last year? Was it fourteen? Mm. Uh, Eleven before that. Now we're going to see 20, twenty for the new season. So in order for the for the, these uh, very talented women to improve their football, they've got to play football, haven't they? So that's why we're seeing so many of them now taking up the cudgels and wanting to play in the NPL or wanting to play overseas. And that's why we see so many of our Matildas uh, not only having, uh, you know, as many games as they can here, but they're filling in their season. And of course, you've got the professional leagues now in Europe and in Britain, uh, because we can no longer say just Europe. We're going to say Britain as Mm. well. Uh, And we see them now. uh, And of course, Samantha Kurt, the very top along with Caitlin Ford and others. Uh, they're playing for, for teams like uh, Manchester uh, United, Manchester City. They're playing for Spurs. They're playing, Chelsea, of course, for Chelsea. Arsenal. What are you going to make of Chelsea? Big, big moves going on. Uh, no longer the era of Roman Abramovich. The days of Disneyland may be drying up. There's a whole new crew that have taken over the, the, the keys to the club. Do you think they'll run it in the very same manner? Whatever you want. Here's the money. If, I don't know if they can. I don't mm. know. I, I I don't know. I guess the 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 jury's the jury's out on that one. Uh, maybe maybe the signing of uh, of Kaladu Koulibaly, who some might say is 
is that's the latest news. I don't want to use getting. the phrase over the hill, but maybe past his absolute. What do you make peak. of Raheem Sterling stepping from uh, you know Manchester from City down to play in London? I think that's that's uh, a really really interesting fascinating move. fascinating move. I mean, Raheem Sterling is ticked off. What is he halfway through the halfway through the big six now? Yeah, yeah. Chelsea, Liverpool, yeah. Manchester yeah. City. Yeah. Look, it's it's a big move for him. Maybe a an opportunity to be more of a of a focal point at Chelsea as opposed to uh, Manchester City side where you're just having to do sort of so much rotating through what is an all star cast of players. I, I guess there is that to a to a perhaps lesser extent at Chelsea, but you think. That Raheem Sterling is 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 going to be favoured in that environment. Look, I think he's a player that gets quite unfairly maligned, particularly at an international level. And I think maybe, yeah, an opportunity to be that predominant, uh, not predominant focal point necessarily, but one of the leading lights in a more consistent way will be um good well, for him. Well, don't forget there's a World Cup coming in November. And uh, the uh, EPL is going to do something it doesn't readily do, and that is stop the competition for uh, a number of weeks uh, in the middle of their uh, their season. Then that's a rarity. Uh, and we're going to see Raheem Sterling playing for England along with a number of other English uh, stars from other clubs. Uh, that'll be very interesting to see how they uh, come together, um, how they uh, play, what, what form... What what, which English side is going to turn up? Is it going to be the side that went all the way to the finals of uh, the European Championships, or is it going to be one of these sides that uh, we've seen so often in World Cups uh, play uh, reasonably good football early on, and when the crunch comes, they fall to one of the uh, more seasoned uh, and uh, stronger uh, you know countries like a Germany, like a Spain, or like a Holland. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's going to be very very fascinating to see how that um how that all all shakes out. I mean, it's easy to forget as well with 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 just going back to to Sterling that he, mm. he still scored a fair few goals in the, yeah, yeah, in the yeah. Premier League this season. He's yeah. managed you know over ten for a number of years now. Were you surprised that Guardiola and Man City let him go? Yeah, maybe may, maybe a little bit. I mean, to a to just a another club within the EPL. That's normally not done, is well, it? Well, I guess somewhat alarmingly for for Chelsea, maybe that's a a, a signal of of where City assess them to be in the, in the the title <laughs> oh, oh, title race order. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. Maybe it's a psychological game, but I don't know. I, I think um, I I wouldn't Raheem Sterling wouldn't be a player that I would let slip by so easily were I a manager of Manchester City. But also, I'm not manager of Manchester City and don't know the uh, don't know the things that Pep does. Um, what have you made of Arsenal's acquisition of uh, another Man City player? Mm, in Gabriel, uh, Gabriel. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. Exciting, exciting. He's a, he's a player that I have uh, admired for quite a long, quite a long time. I think we have seen... Will he be the steadying influence at the top, at the front? The you know that uh, that cutting edge that Arsenal has, that young crop of talent. Could he be the sort of um, the the leader of the corral? Well, it's it's interesting. I'm kind of thinking of the discussion about Sterling as well. Yeah. For 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 Gabriel Jesus, it's about getting that chance to be 
the sort of star man, mm. the leading man. He's had you, to mind do. You, he keeps he keeps telling everybody, "I don't want to be the star man." So, do we believe him, or is he just blowing off some steam? Um, maybe, maybe in an off deflecting. Maybe in an off the pitch sense, but there's no doubt that he will be the first choice number nine, which is not a, a luxury that he has had in his time at Manchester City. It's been right. that kind of thing that's been eluding him all throughout that time at the Etihad is is consistency, whether it's consistency of minutes, yep. consistency of performance, consistency yep. of position, or a combination of all of the three. Well, he's going to have two of those catered to at Arsenal. He's not going to have to worry about consistency of minutes. He will be first choice. Not going to have to worry about consistency of position. He's going to be the striker. It's just about whether or not the improvement of those two factors leads to an improvement of the third, which is getting him to perform consistently week in, week out. Because, look, I think if if Arsenal do get that out of him, they're going to be a very, very solid, solid team. And I mm. think Champions League, that, that hurdle yeah. that has eluded them quite a few times and in very heartbreaking fashion in the most recent season might be... Uh, might be one they can finally leap. Yeah, one within their reach. Uh, they'll be in the Europa, Europa Cup, which is going to be a departure from their normal um, challenges. But it'll be most interesting to see how that side, uh, you know, takes the next step in its development. Because uh, Mikel Arteta is um, normally been a pretty good student wherever he's gone. Uh, both as a player, we saw him achieve some wonderful results. And, and, of course, under Guardiola, he, he was a very fine student as an assistant, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I mean, I think, and I think there was some learning. deliberation from yeah. City at the time of his departure yep. over whether we actually want him to, mm. to leave, whether we sort of let him mm. spread his wings as a head coach <laughs> and maybe we can, we can lure him back one you, day. Yeah, you've got to be cruel to be kind. Um, listen, let's take a break. Uh, got an opportunity to find out if uh, Milos Ninkovic is going to join us. He was at a medical appointment, uh, and of course, fighting the Sydney traffic is always a challenge. Uh, even with Zoom, you can't always get the results you want. But we're keeping our fingers crossed that uh, Milos Ninkovic, the brand spanking new Western Sydney Wanderers recruit, uh, will be joining us. Uh, the man from uh, who's made quite a reputation. Uh, for um, the game, his game, especially at Sydney City over the last few years, or, or Sydney FC, um, it's been quite something uh, to think that he would step just across the um, the Parramatta Road mm. and go from one end of the city, the eastern suburbs, to the western suburbs. Well, this time a year ago, it was inconceivable, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there you go, it's happening. Uh, which means that there's a whole, as we spoke to Alex Wilkinson a few weeks back, mm. remember that it was he, he was getting ready to start his first training session with the club in the, for this brand new season. And he was saying, so much for us to learn, so much for us to identify, and so much for us to take in because this is going to be a brand new season with about, with about four or five holes, you know? Mm. And he was waiting to see who was coming in the door. So some very interesting times, both for the A-League... The APL, the Australian Professional Leagues, now has its first big season coming up with with all the encumbrances basically out of the way. This is They've got clear air. Now let's see what they can do. We're starting to hear some fantastic names being bandied about, uh, whether they can come and deliver more than a sugar hit, because I believe that if a marquee is going to walk in the door these days, they've got to do it, whether it's male or female, they've got to do it both for business yeah, make themselves available 
for all those business opportunities and as well what they can do on the paddock, which is, again, uh, what you always wanted from your marquee. But I think today people want the experience. They want to be able to rub shoulders with, say, mm. Del Piero yeah? yes, at a, a, at a corporate more. function, um, which, you know, if you had a Ronaldo or a nanny, as Victory have, now they're going to be able to run him out. And he's most fluent uh, in a number of languages. And by the way, um, to all the French uh, fans and uh, French uh, French folk uh, in our uh, listening and viewing audience, it's Happy Bastille Day. Yes. So we'll take a break and when we come back, this is State of Our Football Nation. Lockie Flanagan, George Danikian on FNR. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, to all those craving um, free-to-air football, it's on tonight, Network 10, Channel 10 or 10 Play and Paramount Plus, uh, another of the uh, Festival of Football uh, Games being shown. It'll be, I think, starting, what, 7.45, Lockie? Yes, 7.45 at, uh, at Seabus Super Stadium. Seabus Super Stadium. That's where Manchester City played Melbourne City a couple of years ago. It is indeed. Um, so we're going to see... Jesse Marsh, the new man at the top. No, no Bielsa anymore at uh, Leeds. Uh, the American has come over and, and did pretty well to hold the uh, the side, the club um, in the uh, in the EPL, which was extraordinary. I thought because uh, when they when you saw the number of injuries Leeds suffered uh, in the middle of last season, there were many people querying whether the new arrival after Bielsa walked out the door could keep the side together. And he did. Yeah. Remarkably. Well, they, they, they were ravaged, weren't they? Well, and, and Ted Lasso too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I would go that far. but wow. I, And one of the players who made uh, an oh-so-important contribution to, to that, obvi- that period, that saving of themselves from relegation was was Rafinha, and now we see that he's been sort of yeah. given the given the blessing to uh, to head across to a uh, yeah. So Rafinha, uh, Calvin Phillips have now got new clubs. One is Man City, the other one is Barcelona. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what uh, we get from the American tonight. How he sets up Leeds for this brand new season. Who they're likely to bring in, and of course it's Brisbane Raw that also is looking to, you know, jump out on, on the front foot. You've got victory tomorrow. This is, this is exciting. You've got Melbourne victory tomorrow, and they've had some big pickups. Paul Izzo, the new goalkeeper, coming, coming to the club. Great pickup, smart young keeper, uh, has proven himself. Um, Tom Urich has yeah, decided to very, join very Popper. interesting move. And uh, who's the third member? There's a, oh, and of course, a young guy from Portugal who's, uh, uh, who can still play. He's called Nani. Nani. Yeah, that's the guy. So w- this is exciting stuff. Um, let's see what, what uh, turns out tomorrow. But tonight, if you want to see some football, um, and as 10 approving, they've got a cavalcade of, uh, of matches coming up that are going to excite. I'm personally looking forward to the uh, game on Tuesday at the MCG. Next week, it is Manchester United taking on Crystal Palace. Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace. So I'll let you more. Uh, Jason Pine joining us from just across the ditch, the man from Sky News, New Zealand. Um, Jason, welcome aboard. Great to be here, guys. Always good to catch up. Uh, It's always better for us to have you because... You've had an absolute bumper sporting last few months. Can I just say, 
I don't know too many professionals in the game that can cover as many sports as you do with such aplomb and with such excitement. You're an enthusiast because you love the sport, but you also know your sport. And, my God, uh, Ireland, the All Blacks last week, <laughs> um, Wellington coming up with some, uh, you know, some, some important games. Um, you've got the, uh, the Matildas, not the Matildas, the, uh, the All Whites gathering themselves. And you've got... What do you call your women's team? Is it the the Black Ferns? Football Ferns? No, the Football Ferns. The our football women's f- team. Yep. Yeah, no, yep. No, they um they too have got some um some games coming up. Uh, South Korea they play later this year. I hear yep. some exciting uh, games also being planned ahead of obviously what will be a massive tournament for both of our nations next year. The Women's World Cup coming our way. So yeah, there's plenty on. But um, George, I mean, you know, I often say, and you guys will probably concur that you know I know that that I'm very lucky to do what I do and a thousand people would swap places with me in a heartbeat. A thousand and and two people (laughs) would swap places in a heartbeat. So I I do feel very lucky to get the opportunity to do what I do. Ah, you're lovely. Listen, uh, I want to run something past you. Um, New Zealand played Norway in the uh, women's competition and you lost 2-0, correct? That's right. Yeah, called that game. And it was uh, a a convincing win, really, for Norway. New Zealand were in it, but a convincing win. Um, Did you see Norway play England the other day in the Euros, the women's Euros? I did. I did. Did you see the scoreline? Yes, I did. And I thought (laughs) it was a massive reality check for where where the world footballing power base in women's football is. You know, that Norway team, as I say, I commentated that game for Sky over here. And, yep. and while New Zealand were in it for, for long periods, Norway always looked the better side. And I, I think 2-0 probably was a was a fair result. If anything, it probably flattered New Zealand a little bit. But, you know, be that as it may, it was a competitive game from New Zealand. But, yeah, to see Norway go out, um, you know, with a full-strength side, yep. they, they were missing a couple against New Zealand and get absolutely taken apart by England makes you, you know, realise that, that next year at this Women's World Cup, uh, New Zealand, they're really going to have to play well to get out of their group. We don't even know who's in the group yet, obviously, but but to get out of the group will be, you know, a major achievement because New Zealand have underachieved in women's football in recent times, you know. They've had the players, there's lots of experience there and some youngsters coming through, but they just haven't managed to get the results under new coach Yitka Klimkova. So, yeah, the last thing you want is for you know, is for a home World Cup to end at the group stage, uh, obviously with Australia in it. Oh, we, you know, we fancy that the Matildas will, will go quite deep, but we'd love to think New Zealand might as well because I've always thought a, a World Cup works best when the hosts are involved for as long as possible. So, yeah, a bit of work to do for our football ferns. Well, Jason, something that's really fascinated me of late with the football ferns as well, obviously Australia and New Zealand, both the co-hosts of this upcoming Women's World Cup, and that... That synergy is also extended to some uh, Australian players in, in recent times. We've seen the likes of uh, Ali Green and most recently uh, Indy Riley switching their international allegiances across to New Zealand, helping you guys to, to bolster those ranks. And I think particularly in the case of Ali Green, there are a few Australian people who are a bit upset about the fact that we're not going to be able to call on her. What, what do you put that uh, you know trend we're seeing of players switching across uh, and, and considering New Zealand down to and, and how do you feel about it as a... Uh, as someone who's well, following I mean, the game. Well, the, the, uh, the, the second bit of that, I feel, I feel fantastic about it. I mean, the more the better. <laughs> the more the better. I wish as I could say the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ellie Green coming across was a real coup for, for New Zealand, and yep. um, she got a debut in that in that most recent tour um, and looks set to play for New Zealand, hopefully, for, for a long time. I think... 
I wonder whether part of it is the fact that that in Australia there are so many good players. And, um, you know, that's not to say that Ellie Green might not have made her way into the mm. Matilda's setup, but perhaps mm. she sees a slightly less encumbered path to international football through New Zealand. So, you know, that that is uh, that's entirely her call. And as I say, over here, we're, we're delighted. I mean, uh, another a men's example, I guess, is someone like Dane Ingham and Jai Ingham mm. as well. The, yep. the Ingham brothers, uh, they have both played for New Zealand um, ahead of Australia. So uh, the other way, Gianni Stenson has, of course, uh, played for New Zealand at Olympic Games level, but then shifted back the other way to now be in the Socceroos setup. So it does go both ways. Look, I, I guess when you've got dual nationality, um, there are always going to be choices to make and, and people will make the choice that feels right for them. Uh, as I say, it's, uh, it, it's fantastic to have those players, you know, committing to New Zealand. Um, you know, the, the, the deeper the player base on our side of the Tasman, uh, the better as far as our national side's concerned. Uh, Jason Pine, our special guest on uh, FNR's State of Our Football Nation. Lockie Flanagan, George Tanekian in the chair. Um, you've seen an awful lot of sport, Jason. Um, and we talked about Norway being thumped the uh, the other day, uh, and uh, you, we all thought, oh God, that's 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 that sends a shiver through your back. But you and I have seen an awful lot of sport, and there are times when. Uh, do you remember a World Cup final between Brazil and Germany? I remember a semi final. Um, uh, yeah, and, <laughs> or, or, and what or was the talking? score? It well, was about was... seven. 7-1, yeah, yeah. yeah, in Brazil so as well. I, I, yeah. I want to run that line past everybody. It, it can happen in sport. There are, there are times in life when you get a terrific start and the, 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 the planets align and every, every constellation, maybe they, it's the, uh, the Hubble telescope uh, fine-tuning the focus and, and suddenly everything comes up roses. And that was, that was my pick of this game the other day. The Lionesses, the English women's team, have been threatening to do this for a while. It just happened to be against uh, Norway. Um, uh, I I don't know if they can do that every game. Um, I think it's a very special game, and it just happened to come together. Yeah, and and that happens, George. As you say, yeah, you know, I've, you and I, I've seen the All Blacks do it too, far too often to be true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, but it, it happens, I think, less frequently in football, doesn't it? You yeah, sometimes true. get blowouts in school in sports like rugby league and rugby yep. union, etc. But it doesn't happen as often in football because you know, especially when when a side like Norway is on the receiving end, they're not a bad side. You no. know, they're a, they're a, they're a decent football side. But as you say, you know that that World Cup semi final in twenty fourteen, you know, in Rio de Janeiro yep, from memory. Yep, in Brazil. Yeah, I mean, that. no one saw that coming. And isn't that the reason that we love following sport, you know, because even if you think you know everything about the game and you think you know how a contest is going to play out and you are absolutely certain of a way something will unfold, something like that happens, a, a 7-1 or a, an 8-0 like we saw the other day. And, and, and conversely, sometimes you think a team is going to be far too good for another team and, and put six or seven in the back of their net and all of a sudden the other team you know, comes out with a 1-0 win or something like that, a famous victory as far as they're concerned. So your football has the ability to throw up these sorts of things, um, you know, score blowouts or, um, you know, or upsets when a minnow overturns a, uh, a footballing powerhouse. So, yeah, as long as that happens, I'm happy because it gives us storylines to, to continue to discuss. Oh, look, it, it, there are so many storylines to come, I believe, over the next 12 months. And I, I have great faith in the in the sporting pedigree of both nations. I remember going back to 64, which was a long, 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 long time ago. Lockie had no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> no. 
He thinks it's a great number, 64. Uh, it's a Beatles <laughs> song. Uh, but 64, and I remember a guy called Schnell from New Zealand doing some quite remarkable things. He took on the world's best runners and beat them at their own game. Um, and New Zealand has managed to do that time and time and time again. So I know it's no fluke, and I know it's not just in the water, Jason. It is to do with fighting spirits. It, it is to do with um, the mentality of, of the sporting teams in New Zealand. Um, I, I, just, I just remember the, the, the story of the All Blacks, and th- it's, it's quite remarkable what they've done and how they've achieved that, that, that superiority. Um, how did they possibly lose to, to Ireland? <laughs> well, good question. Um, it's the question we've been asking. Did you see it coming? I, 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 well... Put it this way, it wasn't a massive, massive shock. It was a surprise, but it wasn't a massive shock. Look, uh, all this week we've been, you know, trying to unpick what happened in Dunedin. Um, I was lucky enough to be on the sideline down there, so I got a pretty close-up view of it, and and there was absolutely no doubt that Ireland deserved to win the game. Um, you know, the All Blacks, regardless of who they play, they, you know, they're a bit like, uh, I guess they're a little bit like Manchester United, you know, in that in that uh, they have peaks and troughs, but most of the time you expect them true, to win. True. Um, but but um, what it has done is set up an extremely exciting prospect this coming Saturday night in my hometown of Wellington, where uh, <laughs> Windy Sky Wellington. Stadium, yeah, where Sky <laughs> Stadium, as you you know, you guys would have seen the Phoenix play there, you know, oh, yeah. pre-COVID times and and a couple of times during COVID, and and uh, just on that, it'd be good to see them back at home in the season ahead. Mm. In that in that arena. The All Blacks and Ireland will go head-to-head in a, in a deciding rugby test match. Um, you can't get a ticket for love or money. There's, there, there are simply no tickets available for the game. Every single hospitality space, every wow. single corporate box, every yeah. single seat in Sky Stadium, including an extra 4,000 temporary seats, have all been sold. Um, they're talking about it being the biggest weekend in Wellington for quite some time as far as hospitality and retail and accommodation are concerned. So, yeah, it, it's going to be an epic night just another you know another big sporting occasion that that we'll be lucky enough to witness so what you're saying to us uh, to, and to the listening uh, audience on FNR is that this is a, going to be a great trial run for next year's women's world cup <laughs> indeed it will be you're testing yes, all be good, the hospitality yes, yes. <laughs> See, I, my, my, I was just going to say, well, I, I hope that we're we're saying these exact same things about uh, Wellington Phoenix when they get a get a full run at uh, at Sky Stadium. Let, I want to stick with uh, with the Wellington Phoenix A League men's side though, yep. because it has been uh, quite a fascinating off season. There have been some big players uh, returning, not least Costa Barbarousas. Obviously, uh, Stephen Ugarkovich may making the move was one that Correct. surprised quite a few, but a really really good acquisition. It hasn't all been perfect though. That you know those in incoming players have also been met with the departure of uh, of Reno Piscopo, Josh Sotirio, James McGarry as well, all making the move across to uh, to Newcastle Jets. How do you how do you look over the uh, the the moves that the Phoenix have made so far? Because the, I mean it's hard to argue against the incomings, but uh, Piscopo is is a big big loss. Yeah, he's a loss. Uh, look, no doubt about it. He he was a player who I think. You know, particularly when he was alongside Ulysses Davila two seasons ago, was a really, really good, you know, good, solid 
superb A-League player at times. And, and he had to take on the load a bit more himself in the past season with David Ligon and Gail Sandoval not quite providing the same impetus and, in fact, being played further back at times. So Piscopo's a loss, absolutely. I think Ugarkovic is a great get. You know, he, for a long time, has been one of the better defensive midfielders going around and, and looking forward to seeing him slot in at the base of, of the Phoenix midfield, particularly with Alex Rufa still many months away from returning from a serious knee injury. So Ugarkovic and Clayton Lewis likely to occupy those defensive midfield roles. Costa Barbarousas is a really interesting one. You know, we, we all know what a wonderful player Costa has been and can still be. Um, his last stint at the Wellington Phoenix was cut short uh, and uh, for various reasons, he, he didn't stay the two years I just hope it's the Costa we all know and love. You know, he, he, as I say, he can he can be a wonderful player, and and he's a Wellington boy. Yep. His family are all here, Correct. And, and I know he's he's keen to you know to really uh, put on a show. The thing that I think is most exciting is that Wellington still have three import spots to play with. Mm. Uh, only David Ball and Scott Wooten at the moment um, are imports in this team. Eighteen players signed so far, so room. For a, for a couple or even three imports. A bit of mail around about Ollie Sale. Uh, we know how impressive he was in oh. goal last year for the Knicks. Um, you know, there's, there, there are some strong rumours that he may well leave either before the season starts oh, or wow. certainly in the transfer window in January. So there is, that, um, there is that possibility. So I wonder whether one of those import spots might be used on a goalkeeper. Um, young Alex Paulson was... Um, was exciting and and uh, showed a lot of potential, but is he ready to be the number one? Number one, mm. I'm not too sure just yet. So, and the other import spots. Look, I'd love to see another attacking player. There's also been a bit of mail around, and oh, I don't know. I'm glad, whether you, this I'm is... glad you brought it up. That's. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> do you, who do you think I'm going to say? Oh, it wouldn't be a wouldn't be a returning a familiar face, would it? A familiar face, a familiar Fijian face. Yeah, perhaps. quite possibly, yeah. quite possibly. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, there's been all sorts of rumours flying around. I've even seen a couple of uh, fake graphics being put together you know, and, and posted on social media. We, we've had to... way too many of those on soccer Twitter this <laughs> oh, season. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, look, Roy would be amazing. Whether he'll come back, I don't know. He loved Wellington. He loved the Phoenix. He loved the fans. Um, so, you know, it would be amazing to see him back. He'd be a, he'd be, uh, wouldn't be an import either. He, he's, he qualifies as a Kiwi now. So look, if you, you know, imagine, you know, if, if Roy came back and, Ooh. you know, Dave, you know, David Ball was, was, um, you know, still there to, you know, to, to, you know, get the, you know, get the pulse racing. You'd have, you know, the likes of you, Garkovic and, and, um, and Clayton Lewis there. Ben Wayne, of course, I think there's more to come from him and maybe a, a, another couple of import attackers as well. And all of a sudden, you're looking at a Wellington Phoenix side that'll be settled in New Zealand. In won't New have Zealand, to play, yeah. yeah. won't have to play out of Australia. Correct. And, um, you know, look, there are, as I heard you mention just before I came on air about some of the moves being made by the other clubs. And I think we've got, as per usual, a really intriguing A-League men's season ahead. Yep, 100%. I think you've uh, encapsulated uh, much of the excitement and much of the questions that uh, everyone is asking. How will they come together? What are they likely to put on on the pitch? And the sound of Krishna. Uh, We spoke to Willow, David Williams, um, a a couple of months ago uh, at the height of the competition being played in the Indian Premier League. And um, he was telling us what, uh, you know, what a... uh, what an experience it was to see how the 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 crowds were embracing Krishna. Yeah. So he has that he has that magic. He's magnetic, isn't he? Yeah, He's magnetic, absolutely. And, and you so love to see it. Oh yeah, well, I'd love to see him back. And Willow, by the way, David Williams, what a what a great man. Wow. I mean, an absolutely brilliant uh, player here in Wellington. He was another who. 
you know, really embraced being here in Wellington. And um, it was a shame to see him go as well. But, uh, but you know, he's obviously done well up in India too. But, but um, yeah, I mean, it, look, Roy would be, I mean, he'd be a guy, you'd just chuck him on a poster and you'd sell 10,000 <laughs> tickets, you know. That, that's the kind of player that he is. Oh, let's um, hope. Let's hope. Yeah, and the fact that he, he started professional football late uh, in his life means that even in his mid-30s, he's still got a couple of good years left in him, I believe. So, um, I, I look, I... I'm I'm reasonably confident the Phoenix have an offer in front of him. Mm. Whether he whether he uh, he takes that offer, I guess, comes down to a number of number of factors. But yeah, uh, without wanting to labour the point, we would love to have Roy back. Yeah, no, I think foot, football fans around Australia would love to see him uh, back and really making a difference uh, on the pitch. Uh, listen, thank you very much for joining us and uh, once again contributing to our. Thursday night, State of Our Football Nation. We wish you a tremendous week of sporting uh, spectacle. And may you get some of the results that you're seeking, my friend. (laughs) Great to see you both. Yeah, let's hope so. I'll keep my fingers crossed. But, uh, you know, you've got to ride the highs and the lows, don't you? Always a pleasure pleasure to talk to you guys. Look forward to doing it again soon. Mate, very happy to send you an Irish T-shirt if you want one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're you're breaking up, George. (laughs) There we go. Jason Pine, as usual. From New Zealand, Sky Sports team, just uh, one of the great gentlemen in the game. Loves his sport, and you can hear it in every word that he utters. He's terrific. We're going to take a short break. Looking forward to catching up with Milos Nikovic. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Just a minute or two away from hearing from uh, Milos Ninkovic, uh, who's joining us uh, via Zoom from Sydney. Uh, the man who's gone from Sydney FC to the Western Sydney Wanderers. Go figure. Look, uh, he's a tremendous talent and has been a, a tremendous contributor for Sydney and has been right in the middle of uh, that great era, uh, this modern era of, of Sydney FC. Almost being the, almost the golden age well, of it was the Sky Blues. Age. Well, well. Um, they're going through uh, a massive change, and Alex, as Alex for, uh, Wilkinson, their captain, told us only a couple of weeks ago, uh, a lot to look forward to, a lot of young people uh, knocking on the door, wanting to be part of the new Sydney FC setup, and uh, tr- there's tremendous depth, uh, you know, at the club. It's a matter of giving them an opportunity and to see how they've matured. Uh, we've already they've already lost a couple of players, people like Marco Tilio who, uh, you know, went and played uh, uh, half a season with them, showed them the enormous talent, and it was Melbourne City who stepped in and said, come to us and you'll get your regular football. And he's been uh, a revelation. And uh, speaking of revelations, I think we've almost got Milos joining us. Uh, we're just tidying up the, uh, the feed from, um, uh, from Sydney, uh, the, the, the wonderful challenges of technology. It, it never ceases to amaze bandwidth and everything else just about ready. Uh, I think you should introduce him. Why don't you, Lockie? Sure. Well, uh, very, very pleased to be joined by a new Western Sydney Wanderers <laughs> midfielder, but just all around uh, legend Correct. of the A-League, uh, grand final winner, Johnny Warren medalist. I, I could probably spend the rest of this going. show talking <laughs> uh, through the CV, but um, look, if you haven't figured it out already, if you didn't know already, it's uh, none other than the man himself, Milos Ninkovic, who joins us now. Milos, uh, a warm welcome to you. I hope you've enjoyed your off-season and, uh, most importantly, the uh, chance to go back to, to Serbia and, and visit your family. Yeah, obviously, uh, after three years, uh, first of all, 
thank you for having me in, in, in your show. Obviously, as I said, after three years, uh, I've been home. Uh, obviously, so many things happened. Uh, and I can, to be honest with, with you guys, I, I didn't really, really enjoy it. Uh, Milos, uh, the month the month away uh, in Serbia, an opportunity to catch up with your parents. You said to us earlier that you hadn't seen them in a couple of years. Um, how much did that mean for both you and the family to see them? It means a lot, of course, you know, especially because my son Novak is three years old and uh, my parents didn't, didn't have a chance to see him, you wow. know. And, uh, yeah, obviously that, that was... That was um, uh, very excited, you know, and uh, as I said, so many things happened, you know, I didn't really enjoy it, but I was happy to see to see my family and friends again. Look, there's nothing um, more exhilarating than doing something you, you've been denied an opportunity to do and to know that you've gone now, you've spent time with them, they've uh, met their grandson, uh, you know, their grandchild, nothing more exciting for them, I bet. Um, I trust now that you're back and everyone is getting ready. Have you had a chance to do any training with the new club? Yes, uh, I came three three days ago. Obviously, I still have jet lag. Uh, I'm doing, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing uh, um, individual program. You know, probably a few more days, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna join the team. Uh, but yeah, I, I met everyone there, all the players, the, the the staff, medical coaching staff, you know, and all people that are working in the club. And um, yeah, everything so far, everything is, is, is great. Milos, uh, just give me a, a sense and give the fans a sense of just how things look from your perspective now. You've been looking at Western Sydney Wanderers from the other side, from the eastern suburbs, looking across the city to uh, another club that's wanting to, to, to make an impact. Uh, and now that you're at the, uh, at the other end, how do things look? What's the view like now in Western Sydney Wanderers? Look, I don't know what's the view uh, like in, in uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. I mean, for the fans, you know, in fact, that I, as you said, I played seven years in Sydney. Obviously, I know that the Sydney FC uh, fans will be also also angry, but... Most of the people they don't know they don't know real real story real truth you know and uh, probably just my close friends and uh, my ex teammates uh, know what what really happened you know and um, to be honest with you guys I was really disappointed that that I I came after three years I had a chance to go to for holiday you know and um, I didn't know my what my start to see is with the with the Sydney FC. Um, I, uh, I, thought, I can yeah. hear I can hear what you're saying or what you're uh, uh, inferring. Um, I'm sure there will come a time when you, you you will have the opportunity to tell your side of the story. What I want to know, if I may, um, the opportunity to to go back to Serbia. Uh, did that remind you of your early days? Uh, where did where did the journey, the football journey of Milos Nikovic start? Yeah, the journey started obviously in in, in Belgrade, a small club, uh, Čukarički. Uh, I started there as a young kid, and obviously after that, as a 18 years old, I I, I went to to Dinamo Kiev, and I was there for for nine years. But yeah, everything started uh, started in in Belgrade. Yeah. Well, where did, who was the role model? Who who did you want to be like? Was was it your father? Was it your uncle? 
your grandfather? Who who were the the football spirits that said to you, uh, "You can do it and 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 be like me." Uh, look, my father played. He was he was great talent, obviously. Uh, he didn't play professional professional football, you know. But uh, I can't say that he was my 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 idol. I I, I would say that Del Piero is my my idol. Ah. Down in the beginning, yeah. And uh, these two players, obviously, I really respect not just on the pitch but off the pitch. They they were really really great, you know. And uh, yeah, these two players were. For my my idols, uh, Milos, it never ceases to amaze me the talent that comes out of the small countries that that have a fire and a love for football. You think of Uruguay and how many people and players they export to the world. Uh, Serbia does the same sorts of thing. What is it in Serbia that allows the country to send so many wonderfully talented uh, players around the world? Yeah, you're right. You know, uh... To be honest with you, I think that people in Serbia, Uruguay, Croatia, uh, especially when you're young, you don't have these opportunities like like here. The kids have everything, nearly everything. I uh-huh. think they have the, the playstations, the iPads, iPhones, you know, <laughs> and uh, they all live live like no, let's say normal life. You know, in uh, in all other countries, uh, I mean, especially in Serbia and probably Uruguay as well, the people live live. Um, very difficult, and uh, sport is the only options that you can you can really survive, you know. And uh, I think that's that's the the, the main thing. Uh, that's football's given you a wonderful opportunity to travel the world. You've also played for your country, um, an opportunity to play in a World Cup eh? against Australia as well. Against Australia. Yeah. Um, uh, what have you made? What have you made of the uh, the the latest uh, foray by Serbia? They're in the World Cup. They're playing in Qatar, and they've only got a couple of teams that that, that, that they have to worry about. Yeah, well, one ju- of them ju- is just Brazil, Cam- Cameroon, Switzerland, Cam- Brazil. Cameroon and Switzerland. How do you think Serbia is going to go? Uh, look, <laughs> obviously, I said so many times that uh, we already make. Uh, amazing results, you know. We've been first in our group. Portugal was second, uh, and for small countries as Serbia, that's that's a great results. And uh, obviously, the group there is is not is not easy, you know. Everyone everyone there, uh, it's a it's a great teams, you know. And uh, it's gonna be tough, especially because first game is is uh, against Brazil, and uh, obviously, first game for me, it's always uh, the most important game. Um, as I said, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to watch them, uh, and hopefully, we're gonna finally do something, something bigger. Now you know and have known Graham Arnold. You know the game in this country because you've played here with many of the the, the players who have been competing for Australia and vying to 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 make it all the way to Qatar. They have survived. They they're there now. What what do you think Australia will do? Do you think they will make an impression? Or will they find out that the competition is very red hot? Uh, look, uh, as I said, for Serbia, I mean the same for Australia. The, the, just to go there and play World Cup is amazing result. You know, of course, you can't go there and just I'm happy to be to be here. <laughs> of course, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna try to to make some good results. You know, but um, I just want to say I'm really happy for Australia because I know the media and the people. Uh, 
were saying that there is no, no really big chance that they can they can make the World Cup mm-hmm. and um, uh, I believe in Arnie. I know I worked uh, with him for so many years and um, uh, I knew that uh, they're gonna make. Uh, when we reflect on your football journey, you've had a, a remarkable opportunity to, to, as I said, travel the world. What have you made of your time down under and, and the quality of the game here? Uh, look, uh, I said so many times that first year when I came, everyone was saying that um, A-League is easy to play. Uh, but as you know, first year, didn't didn't uh, we didn't play well. Obviously, we finished seventh and... And I saw that uh, you need to be physically very prepared, you know, to play this league. Uh, I played in France for some, so many, I mean, two years there. And I can tell you that the, maybe tactically and technically is not the same level, but physically is, is probably probably same, you know. And I know so many players from overseas, when I speak with them after the game, they mm. all... They all like wow! It's it's so hard to play here, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let me uh, let me let me take you back to 2010. It's the World Cup. You're playing Germany, and uh, you actually beat them. Yeah, we beat them after 37 years. You know. And, uh, <laughs> so so yeah. what was, what what was the going into the game? What did Serbia? Did you think you could do it? Did you think you had the squad and the t- and the temperament? to beat Germany at that time? Uh, uh, to be honest with you, especially that was my first game because I didn't play first game against Ghana. We lost, That's right. And, yep, you lost that, but and, you won yeah, this one. Yeah, and then we played against Germany, you know, at that time, probably one of the favorites to win the, That's right. the World Cup. You know, and um, I remember that I was so nervous because that was my first game, <laughs> you know, at the World Cup. And... Uh, uh, we were we were happy to 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 draw, you know, to one one two two. It, it was it was great result for us, but we won. But obviously they missed the penalty. They had a red card as well, you know. And even with the ten players, they had some chase chances to score. Um, and I can say now that we were we were lucky a little bit. Uh, and then after Australia, I have to say also that we, we weren't lucky. You know, we, we had so many chances to score, especially in the first half. We couldn't score. And then obviously after we conceded two goals and um, uh, that was probably one of the worst memories I had as a, as a professional football player. One of the things that uh, this football game that we love does to us, it beats us when we least expect it. I've seen t- teams play with great authority, with great dominance, and they can't put the ball in the back of the net. And and suddenly the other side gets a break or a lucky uh, decision that goes in their favour, and suddenly the game is lost. You've seen it many, many times, I'm sure. So yeah, it's, it's part of the game, isn't it? It's part of the game, of course. You know That's why, uh, not here, but in Europe, the football is more popular sport, you know, and uh, everyone, everyone loves it. To watch and uh, yeah, I seen so many times, you know. And I played so many games; it was the same, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, as I said, that's 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 why football is the is the more popular sport in in, in Europe. Uh, Milos Ninkovic is our guest on State of Our Football Nation on FNR, uh, and we're talking to him about the game, about his his experiences. Uh, Milos, can you believe that Italy's missed out? 
uh, I can't believe, especially because they won the the Euros. Uh, the Euros, yeah, yeah, they won the Euros, and but as I said, this is football, you know, this is football. That's why that you never know who is gonna win, and that was probably one of these games that Italy had a chance, but uh, I can't remember who they play against when they lost. I think um, North Macedonia or yes. yeah, 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 Northern Macedonia, yeah. Yeah, Northern Macedonia, yeah. And uh, probably they had so many chances they couldn't score and that's Correct. why they, that cost them the not playing World Cup. It's, it's a reason why we have goalkeepers and it's a reason why we have nets. <laughs> yes, <laughs> to to exactly. scare the yeah. hell out of the opposition uh, attacking unit. Mm. Now, uh, what, are, what, are you, what are you looking forward to in the first few weeks of your uh, pre-season, your first pre-season with the Western Sydney Wanderers? Yes, uh, look, I just wanna just wanna enjoy. Obviously, preseason is always is always tough, especially here. Uh, three months, uh, no no FA Cup for us uh, this year. Uh, we'll see if that good thing or, or bad for us. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, I'm looking forward. I still uh, still is a little bit. Everything is new, you know, new new players, new new. A new facility, everything is new for me, and I spent seven years in FC. Uh, but I'm sure in in few days uh, everything will settle down, you know. And uh, uh, and as I said, I'm looking forward to play for for them. They have me opportunity to play at least one more one more year, um, and we'll see we'll see how how it goes. Uh, where is home for you, Milos, in Sydney? What do you mean? What suburb? What suburb do you live uh, what in? Suburb? Uh, I don't know if, if that's good idea to say. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, we'll we'll stay out. The reason I was asking was uh, I was concerned if you had to move home to play in Western nah, Sydney, nah, nah. but you can stay I'm, where you are. No, nah, I can stay where I'm. I'm not, uh, I've been from the day one, you know, and uh, my kids are going to school just Fantastic. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I ask, because when I first started in television a long, long time ago, I was from the eastern suburbs, but the radio station that employed me at the time was in the western suburbs. So I thought to myself, newly married, I'll buy a house out here. I no sooner bought the house, television came to me and said, come and work with us. So I had to go from the western suburbs to Milson's Point, at the Harbour Bridge every day for, for nearly nine years. Did you think I enjoyed it with the traffic every day? No. <laughs> no, yeah, I know, I know. But for that's, me, that's why I was much, asking. That's why I was yeah, asking you. Uh, pretty much the same. For me, it's <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know, half an hour from, oh. uh, from the training ground. You oh, know, you yeah, should. Yeah. Do you, yeah. do you have any idea what your uh, role will be? Do you, will you be playing in a similar position? Or do you know if you've spoken to the management and the, and the, and the coach and, and he wants you to play a specific role? Uh, well, I don't know yet. Obviously, we didn't speak about that. Obviously, I, I had a very good conversation with him and he wants me to, to be like a coach on the pitch, you know, and to help young players, you know, to develop and to be better on the pitch and off the pitch as well, uh-huh. you know, to, to look... Um, to look me how to prepare for the training, how to prepare for the game. 
I'm sure that I can help them with some advices, you know, and uh, sure. help them to be to be better. As I said, better players, you know. I, I, and, uh, I'm thinking you did a similar job for the A League All Stars when you played Barca. You would have yes. had a chance to talk to the youngsters and say to them, "Don't be worried, we're all in this together." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you I, enjoy I, that? You know, Did you enjoy it? I re- yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, it, especially, especially to see so many fans, you know, in Sydney, and uh, uh, and I really lo- love it to play against Barcelona. I played probably. 10, 12 years ago in uh, in the Champions League, wow. and after that I started to to be a Barcelona fan, you know, because I saw that uh, the how they play with the with the with the smile, um, uh, you you can see that they they really enjoy to to play the game. Uh, Milos, some of the young players that played in that game uh, really showed us that they weren't frightened. Uh, as so many young players tend to be, they get a bit nervous, um, and and they showed some wonderful form. I'm not saying uh, you know they showed magic form, but they but they gave us something really exciting. What were, what did it feel like for you to know that we have wonderful young talent here, and if we groom it in the right possible way, we're going to grow some wonderful uh, football stars. That's that's very important thing. I don't know if you if you know, but I said this probably three four years ago that I have a feeling that the Australian clubs they need to to give more chance to the young players uh, to play. They all have, they all talented. They have they have talent, you know, but they just need the chance, you know. Um, I remember when I used to play in Ukraine, you know, if, even if they have uh, no great young player. But their player, local player, you know, they they will give him chance every game. You know, you can't expect from young player first game to to score two or three goals. You know, you need to give him uh, chance every game. You know, and that's why how he can develop. And I I think the soccer rules will have a problem. You know, and uh, if if we don't ha- don't give a chance to young players, then the soccer rules will probably have a problem because if you look at Look at Soccer Rules 2006, 2010, uh, and now I don't want to take anything from from this generation. But if you look these two teams and the players they have, um, uh, probably you can you can see the the difference, you yeah. know. And uh, yeah, and that's that's very important for for Australian football. Well, that identification and development of, of young talent and seems support, to be, yeah, and support of young talent seems to be something that you're uh, particularly passionate about. Obviously, we know you've got this playing year coming up with the Western Sydney Wanderers, but there's potentially some opportunities to be involved in in coaching and academy setups after that year of playing as well. I get the the, the feel from you; you're, you're very committed to to that side of the game, but particularly uh, in Australia to help. Um, Identify and give opportunities to those, uh, to those to that next crop. Yeah, especially to give the chance the young uh, young players, young talents that they are not. As I said, you know, in Europe, especially in Serbia and in Ukraine, when I play, and even here, they everyone saying that you need to be big, you need to be fast. And then, <laughs> as I said, I played. If you're big and fast, strong, that's that's great, you know. But uh, I played against Barcelona, as I said, uh, 2010, and then when I saw Iniesta, Xavi, and all these. These players, you know, uh, Messi, Messi, you know, uh, then you can see that the most important thing in football is brain, 
you yeah. know, and, uh, and skill. Yeah. That, yeah. Skill. You know, that's why I want to, I don't want to say change that mentality, but I want to give chance to, uh, I was skinny when I was young. I was skinny, mm. I, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but still I make, I, I made, um, good career i can't say great but uh, i you know i made good career uh, milos, one of the, yeah. milos uh, when how long into your career did you get the confidence the, the the mental acuity to say no no i'm here i'm good enough and i'm worthy and and i can compete how long did that take uh, probably last uh, let's say seven eight years because when you are young that's everything comes from from the coach uh-huh. you know mm. uh if you as i said if you play one game the next two 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 games you're on the bench as a young player uh you're not really confident you know and uh but i always worked hard i think that's that's the most important thing you know if you had some coaches that uh believe in you some don't believe in you you know but the most important thing is to, to work hard and uh, especially for young generation because uh, I think that, as I said, they have so many opportunities now. When I was young, we played, even when you finish training, we played football all, all, all day long. <laughs> you know, now it's, uh, I think now it's not just here. I, I mean, now even in Serbia, it's, it's, you can't see the, the kids out that they play by themselves, you know, and uh they're not That's playing scary. on the street. They're not playing on the street. Yeah, they're not playing on the street. They or don't in the park. The park. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for me, that's uh, that's very important. I, I remember when I used to play, I finished training and then I play all day long. We had a tournament <laughs> stuff, you know, and uh, I didn't, basically, I didn't I didn't have a time for, for lunch or dinner. Yeah, uh, that's called passion. Uh, we're talking to yeah. Milos Nikovic, uh, one of the uh, most wonderfully gifted footballers to play in the A-League over the last uh, half a dozen years. And I want to ask you, what did you think to yourself when you saw young Marco Tilio before he went to uh, to Melbourne City, uh, when he came into your group at the Sydney FC? Did you think he was going to be this explosive young talent? Yeah, Marco always showed that he's he's a great great talent and um very nice kid you know and he's a good uh, boy yeah he's a very good boy and i'm so happy for him you know because obviously he didn't didn't get a lot of chance to play in in, in sydney you know and um i understand that the clubs always uh, chasing results you know they want to win uh but at the same time as i said you know the most the most important thing for every each club should be to give chance to young players, mm. and uh, and yeah, as I said, I'm very happy for him, you know, and uh, I really think that if he if he continue to 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 play like this, he can he can have a great career. Milos, I'm intrigued by what you said earlier about the value and importance of players with a with a footballing brain, as you put it, because I think. One of the reasons we've been so enamoured with you in in the Australian game uh, is because, to, to be quite honest, we, we don't produce a lot of players that that have the qualities you do. That sort of technical craft, uh, I- intelligence to to see the pitch in a yeah. way that 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 others, others don't. And I think yeah. one of our real ambitions is to start to develop and and create the kind of players uh, like yourself. In your view, based on your experience. 
how do uh, you how know, do we do uh, it? Because you've been very involved with the Australian game. You've had your time overseas. How do we create players like Milos Ninkovic in Australia? I think everything starts where they are young. You know, uh, I never, I never really understand that the coaches that in a young age they want to win. You know, uh, <laughs> I think the most important thing is to teach kids to play, uh, to teach kids first touch. I mean, this is the most important thing. If your first touch is not good, then everything else can't be good. Correct. You know. Uh, yeah, I think people here, coaches especially, you know, and uh, even overseas. I mean, in Serbia and and, uh, and Ukraine as well, because I spent nine years there. They always, as I said, they want they want strong, uh, fast players, you know, and uh, uh, that's great if you're fast, if you're strong. But uh, first touch players with the with the football intelligence, you know, that's for me. Even now, when you look at, uh, you have only few players. Uh, we're killing young people with the uh, young kids with the two touches, you know, mm. with the two play one touch, two touches. You know, I think uh, that's wrong because now even in, in football, look how many how many players do you have that they can beat someone one on one. Even I remember only Neymar, Messi, and maybe few, and they cost. If you want to sign them, they are like three hundred million. You know, you know? <laughs> You know, you're very true. Uh, but very if true. you look, if you look back, I remember when I was young, when I watched Serie A, every team has some some good uh, number ten on, or, or player who can who can um, who can go one one v one, you know. And um, I don't know. Probably they want to make football like like NBA. You know, I have mm-hmm. that 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 feeling. But that's why I wanna I wanna uh, give chance and and. I don't know. Probably when I retired, uh, I have so many ideas, you know. And uh, I would like to 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 give chance that players who are not strong and fast. And I will tell you one story that I play against Charlie. And for yep. me, obviously, Messi is the for me uh, another level. But Xavi, I will never forget that. Or Pirlo when I play against them, you know. Looks like they have eyes on on the back of the head, you know. <laughs> really, yeah. and I was so impressive with them, you know. I couldn't, I just, you can't even come close to them, you mm. know. Every time when you come close, he's playing, he's uh, moving the ball, you know. And that was these two players because Messi, as I said, I don't want to put him in this category because he's another different, level, but yeah. <laughs> different, yeah. Yeah. It, it's um, it's about a freedom to to play, isn't it? That sort of it's a love, ease it's a love. of being able yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah. to carry yeah, it more yeah, than yeah. two two touches. Because I think a lot of the times when we are bringing players through, those kind of players who do uh, have that kind of freedom of thought and expression on the pitch, uh, yeah. sometimes can you know if they turn the ball over or something like that, it can be seen as as a as a little bit of a of a risk that you that you create a mistake on the pitch. Do you think? That maybe Australian football has a, um, a, a too much of a fear of, of, of those averse. kind of players who have the freedom to to do what they want to do on the pitch yeah. and create in the, in the way that you do yourself. Uh, well, look, I, I think it's everything. You're right, but everything start everything start from 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 you uh, mm. from you you know for your teams and from when, when kids started to play because uh, everyone uh, I remember when. Again, I'm going to speak of uh, Barcelona. Obviously, we, you don't have that quality. But if you teach players from 
from young age that uh, uh, that I have feeling that young players here they they're scared to 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 make mistake. Mm. You know? uh, and as I said, that's everything come come from the from the coaches. You know, I, I remember so many times I said to young players in Sydney in Sydney every time when they finish training they're on straight away to the gym you know and doing bench and stuff and i said look you should spend some time on the pitch you know yeah. you know uh and that's that's the problem here you know that's the problem here and um uh hopefully hopefully that will change soon you know uh, milos here's an opportunity f- uh, when you get settled and when you get more relaxed We'd love to have you back for an hour, a complete hour, to talk about your love for the game, uh, what you'd love to see the game do in this country so we can take the next crop of uh, whether it's Matildas or whether it's uh, Socceroos to the next level. Um, I've heard people say time and time again, the only way to learn is to go out and make your mistakes. But as you touched on, we've got to make sure they fall in love with the game. So when that happens, they can put up with the, the challenges that come as you mature and go up level after level after level. And to hear you say that you your first game against Germany, you were nervous as, and it was your first yeah. World Cup game, uh, that's exciting too because that tells the world that even the very best players get nervous. They shouldn't be afraid of that. It's part of the experience, isn't it? Of course, you uh, you're not afraid of anyone, you know. But you're just nervous, you know, because as I said, you you are playing against probably one of the best teams that, that back then in 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 the world. Uh, at the same time, you're excited and you're nervous, you know. I never afraid of anyone, uh, uh, and that's also that's also very very important for for young kids, as I said, you know to. Uh, if you're not ner- nervous before the game, then for me that means that uh, you don't have passion. You know, and, uh, <laughs> do yeah. something. Do something else. I still have. I'm still like 37, and I still when, when we have a game, I'm a little bit nervous. When I lose that, that means that I lost the passion. You know, and uh, time to step down. Yeah. 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 Uh, Milos, can I just take the opportunity and say thank you very much. We know you had a number of commitments today and uh, we thank you very much for making every effort to join us. Uh, We really appreciate the contribution. Welcome back to Australia. Congratulations on your move. Um, Let's let's hope that it's an injury-free season and an opportunity for you to showcase not only your wonderful talent but to remind a lot of young, the next young crop of talent, what it takes to be a, a really good professional. And uh, we'd love to have you back on FNR, just exclusively one hour to sit there and to talk about the things that you love and what we'd love to see you uh, aspire to do. And if it's coaching, come and tell us uh, how we can make uh, the game even better. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, uh, for sure. I'm. I will be really excited to, to spend with you guys one hour. And uh, thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. Good luck with the new season and good luck at thank Western you. Sydney Wanderers. Thank you very much. Thank you. All the best. How fantastic. Milos Ninkovic, uh, who took the time, uh, we really appreciate it. It's been a, a difficult day. He had uh, challenges of getting around Sydney, uh, a medical appointment, uh, commitments there, but he promises he would be here and he made it and we thank him so very, very much. Well, I just, so many good ideas oh. about 
about the development of football. It, it actually team? gets you like not not that I want to to bring about the the end of Mulis's <laughs> playing career no, early or no, anything no, like no, that because no. I, I I love watching him, but. You actually realize he has you, much to offer, huh? and you get excited to hear that someone who thinks the way he does and clearly has the commitment to a certain set of ideals that Still I think we are don't have enough of in yep. in, in Australian 100%. football. It's exciting to know that someone like that will be involved at the sort of at the young level. State of our football nation. We talk about all the sorts of things that uh, promote the game in this country. FNR has been doing it for the better part of the last five years. Streaming radio, uh, people were going, does it really work? Well, five years on, it continues to not only showcase some of the best voices and the best stories about the game, but there are new programs coming each and every week. Uh, If you uh, enjoy the programming, make sure you stay with us. And if you have only heard about it, make sure you download the app. It's FNR, Football Nation Radio. And uh, thank you very much for joining us this week. Back with more next week between 5 and 6 or just after. Because uh, as I said last week, we're the probably the only station in the world that can cram 90 minutes into a one hour. <laughs> we do our best. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.